0: Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Audra Emerson, and I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Kristen Shane, to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. Kristen is an inspirational leader and entrepreneur. She is currently the SVP of merchandising at PetSmart and is the founder and CEO of Fly Feet Running. Kristen's successful career in retail, beauty, and fitness industries has included leadership positions at Harry's Inc., Target Corp., and Accenture. Kristen has an MBA and bachelor degree in journalism from Indiana University, where she was a varsity competitive cheerleader. Kristen remains an avid athlete and has applied her running passion and leadership skills to volunteer positions at Girls on the Run and Twin Cities in Motion. Kristen, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Good. Uh, You have uh, an amazing career, and there's so much that I want to talk to you about, but let's start with Fly Feet Running. Tell me about Flyfeet and what really prompted you to start your own health and fitness company.
1: Sure. Uh, Flyfeet started four years ago, but um, really was I started working on it more like six years ago. Uh, Flyfeet is a boutique fitness studio. We have two locations, one in downtown and one in Wayzata. And our mission is to inspire people to chase the best version of themselves. And it's really about, you know, we believe that inside each and every one of us there's an athlete. And at Fly Feet, it's our job to just reach down in there and unleash that athlete. And and what what we talk about a lot at Fly Feet is, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you run, how much you lift, what you look like, you know, really the single unifying thing for everybody at Fly Feet is their Willingness to work hard. So you'll see p- people in class, all shapes and sizes, all abilities, but the class is structured so that you just get to do you. And that's really what it's all about. And and I and I started there because a lot of those things are my own personal core values. Like I am, you know, I'm an Enneagram three, I'm an achiever, like I'm I'm very driven um and and I just believe in this idea of you know continuous improvement and always being better um, but believing that it comes really from within sounds like very evolved it's taken me a long time to get there I would say but I I started fly you know I spent most of my career in corporate America and um, really enjoy i'm a retail junkie i've been in retail most of my career and i love it but i had always wanted to do my own thing and um you know i just sort of got to this place where i started thinking about what that would be and it would have to be something that you know just really was personal for me and really resonated with me and and movement and running and wellness and fitness and exercise has always been some a place that's been a huge passion for me. Um, and you know, the long story short is I was like, wow, I get the opportunity to marry running a business, which I love to do and fitness and this idea of, you know, working on yourself. And so I decided in 2016 to leave my job at Target to, to launch Five Feet. So it's been a wild ride for sure, even wilder these last three months, as you can imagine. But um, I would have to say, what makes the ups and downs worth it all are the community that we have been able to create, and and for sure the team. So.
0: That- and that's that typically what makes it all worthwhile, right? People yeah, that you surround yeah. yourself with both as clients and as team members. Yeah. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So what is the best and the worst thing about owning your own business?
1: Oh my gosh. That's such a hard question to answer. I guess the pride in creating something that truly, truly has impact on people you know, all the time we hear, I mean, even today I was on Facebook and there was a member who posted and just this long post about how, you know, she's been working on herself and she looked beautiful a year ago, but you can just see her body's changed significantly, but you can just see in her smile, like there's just like a bigger spark there. And so it's not about what you look like on the outside for me the best part is how we make people feel on the inside so that's the best that's fantastic yeah the worst I underestimated how personal everything was when it's yours you know I've run a lot of businesses before and I get very emotionally invested but it is so different when it's yours like Every time a team member quits, every time a member cancels their membership, I get every email still. It just, it, it hurts in a different way when it's yours. So, you know, those are the emotional part of it. Like, you know, when, when one of your team members is having a problem, you feel like it's your problem. If they're not happy, you feel like it's your fault. Like it's just way more emotional and personal than I think I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you recently did step away uh, from some of that day-to-day operations of Flyfeet uh, to lead merchandising for PetSmart. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and why you decided to return to the corporate world? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, You know, geez, there's so much to unpack there. I started with, I'm obsessed with retail and you know, that never changed. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity to impact people's lives and at PetSmart, we get to do that on a much bigger scale than at Flyfeet. Um, I also talked about this idea that I have to feel personally invested in sort of the mission of the company. And I would say two things about PetSmart that really resonated for me is one, from the CEO all the way down, like we are very invested in people and the culture there is very strong. It's very collaborative. Um, and so that was really important to me. But at PetSmart, we believe um, pets make people better. Um, we believe pets make us better people. And so that to me is just really inspiring. Um, I lead merchandising for for PetSmart. So um, I lead a team that, Creates the assortment and determines, you know, our go-to-market strategy both in the stores and on Petsmart.com. Uh, and so that's to me really exciting because, you know, really that just means understanding, you know, our customers who are people who have pets and how we can make their lives better and and improve the bond between them and their pets. So it's it's a ton of fun. Um, you know we still have the two studios obviously in the twin cities uh, i still do daily calls with my team in the morning the time zone helps me right because i can get on the phone with them at seven o'clock here and it's nine o'clock there and so we still have daily calls but i just have to say we have a tremendous team that just you know it's so personal for them uh, and they do a wonderful job running the business. And so I'm just lucky that I'm able to do both yeah, right
0: now. That's fantastic. You talked about pets make our lives better. What pets do you have in your life?
1: Yes. Oh, man. I wish I had him here. I, I, um, he, He's asleep in his bed, but his name is Archie. He's a little French bulldog. And he is just full of spunk. So much fun.
0: That is awesome. Good. Yeah. I love it. So you and I both worked at Target. Ironically, didn't work together, yes. but it's a big place. Um, yeah. You at Target held numerous roles within merchandising, including, including leading their beauty and personal care business. You were an advisor for Harry's. Um, you talk about your love for retail, but can you give our audience a sense for what merchandising as a profession is and sort of the role of merchandising in the retail business?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, so at its, at its, in its simplest form, merchandising is all about understanding what your cust what problems you're solving for your customer. So, you know, when I ran the beauty business at Target, we really, got to understand what, what she was, how she relied on us for her beauty routine and how we could incrementally solve problems for her, help her in her beauty journey. It's really digging into the people side of it and understanding what they're looking for to make their lives better. I mean, it sounds kind of familiar, right? Like, that's, I think, for me, the, the psychology around what makes us tick, depending on what product category you're talk about, talking about, is really where merchandising starts. So once you understand, you know, in, in beauty, if you're thinking about um, skin care, for example, there are a couple of different segments. Either, you know, you're over 40 and we're worried about our wrinkles, Or maybe you're you know in your late teens and you're worried about acne or maybe you're somewhere in the middle and you're trying to do preventative care it's really starting to understand like all the different problems you would try to solve for her and then the most fun part you put together a product assortment to meet the needs of your consumer on that continuum and so in beauty it happens to be age right? Because as you grow older, your problems change for better or worse. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and in in the pet world, it's it's a little bit different because it depends on what kind of pet you have. It depends on small breed, large breed. Age is certainly a factor. And once you start to understand all of those things, you can start to put together a product assortment that shop, and I say she, because the majority of our customers at Petsmart and and at target are women um and so you create this assortment that you, you know at a bare minimum meets her needs but your real goal is to create something that she just that is completely irresistible where she's just like oh my gosh i can't i'm excited to go to Petsmart because i'm excited to know you know what's new and what's fun and what's innovative that i can buy to further the relationship with my with my pet so a great example of that is you know our team saw that people wanted to hike and go on adventures with their pets and so we created this line called arcadia trail so if you go in our store today we've got dog tents we've got booties we've got um these harnesses to take uh hikes with them we've got portable dog bowls, I mean, life jackets, all of it to, to go camping with your dog, go hiking with your dog. I mean, even if you're living in an urban environment and you want to go walking with your dog and you just want to be prepared for anything, like we've got that for you. And, and that's one of those things where she walks into the store and she's like, oh my gosh, like, this is so cool. I didn't know I needed a dog tent, but I'm going to buy that thing, you know?
0: When you are in a leadership role within merchandising, you own that business. You drive that business. And it is from sort of A to Z, that leadership piece of it. What skills or abilities makes someone a great merchandiser? And and what do you look for, I guess, when you're hiring for your teams?
1: Yes. Uh, Well, so a couple of things. One is curiosity. So a great merchant can anticipate the consumer's needs. And the only way you can do that is to to be curious and sort of a student of the culture. So the questions, honestly, that I'm asking myself today are, yeah, we should probably like amp up our antibacterial assortment. We probably should carry masks. We probably should, like, there's some obvious things but we're asking ourselves bigger more sociological questions around okay yes she's shopping more digitally now because you know she's less comfortable inside a physical store but like what are the bigger like how are her shopping patterns going to change how's the relationship with her pet going to change how does just how she lives going to change is she going to be working from home longer does that mean you know, she needs more milk bones for her dog is that, you know, it's, it's bigger, more lifestyle questions. Like those are the people who are wondering about things like that, that are innovative and bold enough to find new ideas, to create categories that maybe didn't exist. And that's what gives the magic. To retail whether it's a physical store or online though that curiosity is what really drives you know a lot of it I would also say the second one is merchandising retail and frankly a lot of you know what's out there today is a team sport and so you have to be able to work with other people you have to be able to um, you know lead through influence You have to be able to pull, you know, as you continue along in your career, it becomes more and more important, your ability to pull the best ideas out of the best people. It's not always your idea. And so, you know, I'm constantly asking myself, like, how do I support my team in a way that they feel empowered to, like, throw all the crazy ideas out there? Because they don't all have to stick, but if a couple of them do, that's a win. Um, So I think that's really important. And then honestly, like when I'm hiring, I'm like, if you're curious, if you're driven, if you're a team player, if you're um, vulnerable and sort of willing to take feedback and learn and fail and just sort of be a sponge and a student, the... The sort of analytical, tactical skills that you need to run a certain category or a certain business, you'll be able to come up to speed on those things very quickly, which is why at Target we move people around so much because if you can get the leadership skills, the rest of it sort of works itself out. Absolutely.
0: And you told me earlier that you do have a bias for hiring athletes. Tell me why.
1: I do. I do. I, I totally do. It's the first thing I look at on people's resume. It's so weird. Maybe. No, I don't think it is. Me. But when I get a resume, when I get a resume, I, I scroll all the way to the bottom every time. And I look to see if they were a student athlete in college, even if they're 25 years out of school, because I, I, I do have a bias and and not everybody, you know, like there we have plenty of people on our team who are not but what you know particularly for entry level jobs what you learn as a student athlete is so incremental and such a game changer to everyone else in, in college you, you have to prioritize relentlessly time manage like nobody's business you have to be organized you have to be driven. You have to be able to work on a team. Like all of the things I'm talking about that make people successful as a student athlete, you just have to do. And so there are a lot of good things that come into learning um, how to be an adult before you actually have to be an adult when you're a student athlete. So I totally look for that. So I've heard, I heard you say, or when we were talking before, you were saying, that sometimes people don't put that on their resume for whatever reason, and I'm like, no way, put that on your resume.
0: No question. Thank you for reiterating that advice. I love it.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So when you
0: think back to your college athletic career, how do you, how did you develop as a leader you are today through those experiences, or, or maybe another way to look at it is, are there correlations between the type of leader you were? On your cheerleading team to the type of leader you are currently yeah I think
1: failure is a huge part of success and you know I went to IU which is you know a Big Ten school and the competition there is really fierce and you know the it I mean I remember going to tryouts and there are hundreds of girls from all over the country and I'm like oh my god there's no way I'm gonna like how in the world am I gonna get through this and I just gave it my best in my first year I I was like it I was an alternate so I didn't I, I guess I made the squad but I was like not on the varsity and it was but I still had all like I had to do all the other things, I just didn't get to like cheer in the games. And that was a whole year of, and I loved it, but that was a whole year of like practicing, working out, study tables, like going to camp all the time, learning all the things. Um, and it's a really demanding sport and, but not getting the payoff of actually being able to perform. Exactly. Right? And so, you know, I worked really, really hard and, you know, I I went out the second year and I made it. And, and I think it would have been really easy for me to just sort of decide that maybe that wasn't the right thing for me because there are a lot of competing priorities in college, but, but I just refused to quit. And, you know, I think that's really important and, and over and over again, like I was not the best. Um, there were always people that were better than me. And I just didn't let that intimidate me. I let it drive me, but in a way that was good for me. And I could still support everybody else around me. So so not competitive in a way that brings people down, but competitive in a way that helps drive me and, and then raise people up. And I, And, you know, when you're not an athlete, that level of like, competition and failure and like you're you're on the line and the stakes are high like you just don't really experience that like you do when you're an athlete until you get into the real world and then there's not a dress rehearsal for that
0: yep absolutely and I think you made a good point and I always make this distinction because I am a highly competitive person but intrinsically so yes I don't Root for someone else to fail so that I can succeed. Right. But when I do look around and say, "Oh yeah, I'm not the best in this situation," or don't bring the experience that these other people bring, it motivates me to learn, to be curious, to drive, and to push more. Um, so yeah, yes. I think that that's a good distinction. I think sometimes being competitive gets a bum rap. But if you use it to describe yeah, you no, forward, I think so too. Fun. So. Tell me a little bit about the transition. We talked about your college career. What was that transition from college to career like for you? And, And did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Did you, you know, just march out day one with a plan or how did that go?
1: Oh my gosh, no way. I did not have a plan. I did not, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was the first person in my family to go to college I I was a journalism major. Um, I did a ton of internships in advertising because that's where I thought I wanted to be. Um, I really, you know, I wanted to be close to the customer. I wanted to sort of put together cool ad campaigns and things like that. And I was a business minor and, um, you know, my senior year, I interviewed with the journalism school and I interviewed with the business school and with the journalism school, I got a job offer to go do a 10 week unpaid internship at an ad agency in Chicago, which I was like over the moon about. My dad was like, how are you going to eat? I was like, that's a great question. I'm that's not sure. That's secondary
0: concern um, right
1: now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Um, And I interviewed through the business school and I interviewed with a consulting firm um, called Accenture and they gave me a job offer with, you know, offering me more money than I ever thought I'd make, you know, as a 22 year old graduate. And I feel like that's what a lot of us do when we don't know what we want to do after college is we go into consulting. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, so I moved to Chicago, I worked for Accenture for four years, you know, it, um, I learned two things. Number one, I, I learned what the professional, who the professional Kristen was, or at least I got a semblance of understanding, like getting into the professional world, you know, Um, in consulting, I I got to work on a lot of different projects. It, It allowed me to sort of, um, you know, understand the expectations in the professional world and how to show up and how to solve problems and all of that. But consulting would just didn't light my fire. It I am too, as an athlete, like I am too results oriented. Like I want to know the score. I want to know if I won. I want to know that I had an impact on it. And in consulting, it's just not like that, right? You, you work on a project, you make a bunch of recommendations and then you hope whoever your client is, does it the way you want it to be done and you move on. So for me, that was just not, I was just too far away from the customer. Um, And so from there, I went to the opposite end of the spectrum. I joined the Peace Corps and I worked in small business development. So you talk about like one side of the spectrum to the other. I mean, I lived in a small little village in El Salvador. I worked with these women's co-ops to help commercialize their artisanal goods. So they made like... Handwoven rugs and clay pots and these beautiful, beautiful artisanal goods, um, and that to me was like I, it just was like such an unbelievable experience like to work with these women and help them develop business plans and help them bring these things to market was just really, really cool and While I was there, I applied to business school, which I feel like a lot of us do again when we don't exactly know what we want to do but um I actually, when I was in business school, wrote a business plan to open a retail store and sell these women's artisanal goods. And my dad was like, you don't know anything about retail. You should at least get retail experience before you do this. And that's honestly what landed me at Target. So, and then when I got to Target, it I, lo- I fell in love with merchandising because you're sort of like a mini CEO, you run the business, you run the P and L, but there's no risk, right? Like it's with house money, right. if you yeah. will. So I stayed at Target for a really long time just cause I loved my my career there. And then as, as we just said, I, I eventually left and started my own. Yeah. But there was never, I always joke with my friends, one day I'm gonna write a book and the title is gonna be, this was always the plan. And then underneath it, it's going to say making it up as I go along. Because honestly, like to the external, it may look like I have a plan, but I mean, let's be clear. I am letting the universe take
0: over. But I do think recent college graduates or, or even student athletes that are still in college look at someone like yourself and think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get from here to there? And they think they need to have all of those steps planned out. So I love that you are breaking that notion for them and helping them see that leaning into their strengths, taking a chance on an opportunity, um, getting the most out of that opportunity as you did with Accenture, seeing where it takes you, all of the experiences build the plan versus the plan building the experiences.
1: That's right. And I think what you said makes me remember like when, so I'm sitting here with, you know, fly feet. I almost said fly feet's up and running. I mean, we are up and running, but we're at 25% capacity because of COVID-19 and all that. But you know, we have two studios. The business is successful. Like four years later, even more than four years now, but, um, when someone says like, how did you do that? And I'm sitting here on the other side of it, I'm like, wow, that seems overwhelming. And I would just say like my best piece of advice, young or old, tenured in their career, new in their career, honestly, like you just have to take the right next step. You don't have to worry about how, how, if my end goal is this, and you know, there are all these steps in between, like, how am I going to do it? Like so many people I think get stuck because of the fear of steps two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I'm just like, if you can just take the right next step, I promise you the next right next step will absolutely reveal itself. It will. So you just have to sort of like, leap in the net will fall. I
0: love that. That is fantastic advice. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story. I mean, this is what we're trying to do through the podcast is help uh, young women understand uh, the path that you've taken and learn from your experiences. So thank you for sharing those as well. Um, Now it's time for the rapid fire portion of our podcast. So are you uh, ready for that?
1: I am ready. I'm ready.
0: All right. Your favorite female athlete, Serena Williams. Favorite sports team?
1: Um, Any team my kids are on. So the dirt bags, the coyotes, the sun rays, like all of, like I'm obsessed with going to my kids' sporting events.
0: I love it, good. Favorite Olympic sport?
1: Gymnastics.
0: Would you rather have the superpower ability to fly or be invisible?
1: 100% fly.
0: So are you a sweet or salty kind of gal? Sweet all the way. What's the last show you binge watched? Uh,
1: Ozark, which is super dark.
0: All right. Good recommendation. Uh, Do you prefer Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook?
1: Uh, Instagram.
0: Great. If you could vacation at a beach house or lake house, which would you choose? Beach house. Your favorite podcast?
1: There's so many. I love Brene Brown's. I love um, Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. And I love how I built this.
0: Fantastic. First music concert ever. Oh
1: my gosh, this is embarrassing. New kids on the block.
0: Really? Yes. <laughs> so who is your favorite out of the new kids? Oh my God, all of
1: them, their hair, Donnie. I don't know. They were <laughs> all like so dreamy.
0: Yep, they were. All right. Well, that is a wrap. And I thank you, Kristen, for inspiring us with your journey and helping us learn from all of your experiences. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our Booster Club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.